Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, we have a guest speaker, Pastor Mark Stroud, and he speaks from the subject of their rebellion. And now, here is today's broadcast. Praise Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today in the mighty name of Jesus for this opportunity that you've given us to gather around your word. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth, even showing us things to come. Father, tailor make this word for every single person, every man, woman, boy, or girl. Cause them to hear your voice so clearly, so clearly that they know without a doubt that you have spoken to them today. Lord, I pray for the anointing that makes preaching and teaching easy. I pray for the anointing that will break every yoke and cause every captive to be set free. Today, Father, we pray that the dead will be raised, the brokenhearted will be mended, the sick will be healed, Father, the blind, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the mute will speak. Father, we pray today for such a move of your spirit that is unparalleled so that none can deny that today we have been in the presence of the Lord. Today, Father, we've come in to worship you, and in just a little while, we'll go out to serve. And Father, we pray that as we go out to serve in our communities and on our jobs, in our homes, everywhere we go, that we'll carry the fragrance of Jesus everywhere. We love you, and we adore you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's first start in the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, I'm going to get it. I told them, uh, them in the first service this morning, uh, boy, it was a big challenge for me today because today I am preaching with paper. Haven't done that in quite a while. And uh, if you have your paper Bibles, say, I got my paper. If you have your electronics, say, I got my electronics. Oh, y'all didn't sound as loud. Second Timothy, third chapter. Let's go here really quickly. Are you guys with me today? I'll make another deal with you. If you listen quickly, I'll speak quickly. All right. Second Timothy, the third chapter. Second Timothy, third chapter, verses one through nine. Reads like this. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boast, or rather boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, insolent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Verse five, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. This tells us that in the last days, and we understand that we are currently living in the last days at this moment, right? This gives us a picture of the end time church, the end time false church. I call them the mannequin church. 
you've seen the mannequins in the department stores and, um, you know, in the malls. You see them in the windows and they always have the perfect bodies, right? Always have the perfect physique. And as we said earlier, I've never, I've never seen yet a man, a man or male mannequin having a big pot belly. It's always a six pack of abs or eight pack of abs and the, and the lady mannequins just shaped so proportionally and right. The manufacturer says, my clothes looks better on this, on this form so you should look like this. We're constantly told how we ought to look, how we ought to act, what we ought to wear, what we ought to drive. We're constantly being bombarded with so much stimuli. It's all in the air everywhere and this is why uh, so many of us have problems with self-esteem and that has been holding us up from doing so many good things for the Lord because we're not confident in him we've been trying to be confident in ourselves and anytime you look at yourself you're always going to see a deficit because there's always going to be somebody who looks better except in the case of Pastor John of course there's always going to be someone that looks better or who's smarter or who's, or who's more spiritual. There's always going to be something that looks better, brighter. There's always going to be that. But they are not your measurement. That's a false measure. You are unique in and of yourself. When God made you, he broke the mold. There will never be another you. You are here on this planet with an assignment to fulfill. You're not here by accident nor coincidence, regardless of the circumstances that brought your DNA together, regardless of what plans mom and daddy had, you were ordained by God to be upon this planet at this time in this season. You were prepared for such a time as this. There's a reason why you're still breathing. There's a reason why you're still moving. There's a reason why the car accident did, did not kill you. There's a reason why you did not overdose. There is a reason reason why and you're here for a reason like Esther you're here for such a time as this you have a divine purpose on your life and part of that purpose is to manifest the true anointing of Christ Jesus to bring forth Christ to represent him and we can say to represent Christ to the world today to represent him and that is in you. That's in you. So in the last days, there's going to be a, a mannequin church. Those that have a form, but no power, no spirit. The mannequin in the, uh, in the bookcase or in the, you know, in the window, perfect form, perfect shape. They may even put hair on it and a hat on it. And they may even have mechanical parts to move like this. Yeah. I was a dancer back in my day. <laughs> Maybe not, but you understand what I'm saying. They may look the part, but it is dead. And so how does that translate? In many of our churches, we'll find today, many of the churches, not all, thank Jesus, and definitely not here, 
There will be those that will have a form, but no real power to change people's lives, so they will form doctrine around the things that they can do, but there is a thing that only God can do, and what God can do upon your natural is make your life a supernatural life. God wants you to exhibit his character and his nature to bring forth Christ in your communities, in your home, in your workplace, at the supermarket, at Walmart, when you you step in the atmosphere should change that's the true powerful church that's the church of Jesus Christ we don't have to make excuses all we've got to do is be yielded to him and he'll bring forth the power remember this sentence remember this sentence miracles arrive rapidly when yielded when we yield Miracles arrive rapidly when we yield. Remember those first letters in those words? The W is going to be silent. Miracles begins with M. Arrive rapidly when yielded. When yielded. Why? M-A-R-Y. What does that spell? Oh, come on, team. What does that spell? I was never a cheerleader. <laughs> yeah, but you do get it, right? Mary is the key, and there's an anointing around the name Mary that we're going to get to you today in the short time that we have here. There's an anointing around that name, and that is what the Lord wants us to exemplify in this time and in this hour and in this season. Mary, the name Mary in the scripture means their rebellion, their rebellion. There's a rebellion that's happening now. A rebellion is good when it comes against the darkness, when it comes against an established negative order. Some of you are Star Wars fans. Come on now, be proud. Yes. Yes, there was a reason why they rebelled against the empire. Dun, 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 zoom, zoom, zoom. There's a reason why. Yeah, my, it must be the time. That's what it is. Praise Jesus. There's a reason why they rebelled against that, against the dark forces. And God is causing, calling us to rebel against this world and the negativity and the evil and the corruption that is there. The word Mary means their rebellion. And it is not a coincidence that the first flesh, the first human flesh that the Christ touched as he entered into the earth from heaven, her name was... Mary. And it's also no coincidence that the last human flesh that was touched or that Jesus Christ came in contact with before he ascended to heaven was the name of Mary. And it is no coincidence that uh, also the one that prepared him for his burial, the one that prepared him to go through the crucifixion process, her name was also, her name was also Mary. There's a rebellion that is going on. There's a rebellion that's been going on for thousands of years. A rebellion. 
And these are the ones that will carry the presence of God. These are the ones who will carry the power of God. These are the ones that will carry the end time wealth because the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. There is a reason and God is calling us to exemplify the characteristics of Mary. And let me show you briefly what that looks like in scripture. First of all, let's go ahead and go to the book of Luke. Let's go to Luke, the first chapter. If you can flip or push fast, we can do it. Being praying for me, praise God. Luke, the first chapter. And let's look at just uh, just a few verses here, starting in verse 34. The angel has already come to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and has told her, guess what? Uh, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a child. And let's look and see what happens here in verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, uh, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Somebody shout, I need that now. Are you hearing me? The power of the highest shall overshadow thee, therefore... So that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is a sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Say with me. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Come on, say it again. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Listen to Mary's response. I love this. I'm telling you, I could just take a fork and eat this all day. What does Mary respond? How does she respond? And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now notice this first characteristic of the Mary. We're going to call her the Mary because there's three Marys that we're going to talk about today. Notice this first characteristic, that she received the word of God uh, with no type of, uh, with no type of, with no type of hesitation, by the way. No type of hesitation. She received the word of God fully. And she was at that point devoting her entire life to giving her entire life to bringing forth the Christ. She didn't care about what people would say about her being, an, uh, being what was then an unwed mother. She didn't care what they would think uh, about even what Joseph would say because at that point, of course, he could have her publicly executed because she was found with child before they were officially married all she knew is this is what God wants in my life and I say yes and she said Lord here I am behold the servant of the Lord here I am behold the handmaiden of the Lord be it done to me just like you have said those that are part of the rebellion will say, Lord, the word that you have for me, the purpose that you have for my life, let it happen exactly as you said it. I give all that I am to produce all that you are. I give all that I am unashamed. But listen, we live in a culture and in a generation where everybody just, what it seems to be, everybody just wants to do just barely enough to make it by. Or at least I, I do come to church every once in a while. I read my Bible every once in a while. I pray just every once in a while. You know, I, I mean, I'm not deep, deep.
deep, deep into it, they say. But you know, yeah, I, I love Jesus, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They try to do just enough just to make it in. But that is not a part of the rebellion. Because those that are a part of the rebellion say, God, all of me, have all of me. Are you hearing? Let's look at Mary Magdalene. Let's go to the Magdalene now. Oh, I love this. Let's go to the book of um, John, the 20th chapter, and let's look at the Magdalene. Are y'all still with me? Hallelujah. Have I lost you? Wave your, hand, wave your hand at me if you can hear me right now. Wave your hand at me if you can hear me. If you're asleep, wave at me if you're asleep. Okay, all right, very good, all right, okay. Oh, Let's look at John 20, verse number one. John 20, verse number one, and this is what it says. This is the second characteristic of the Mary. It says, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, uh, when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Hop down to verse number 13. She sees the stone taken away, and she looks into the tomb. There is no body there. She's looking for the body of Christ. She's looking for the body of Jesus. Look at verse number 13, and or rather verse 12. And uh, seeth two angels in white sitting, uh, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, woman, why weepest thou? She says unto them, because they have taken away my Lord and I know not where they have laid him. Needless to say, she is looking in an empty tomb and she sees two angels, two men dressed in full white sitting where Jesus was and that does not appear to startle her. You're looking in a dark. That does not appear to startle her. She is so focused on ministering to the body of Jesus. She has holy uh, tunnel vision. She sees nothing else but what she's been called to do. She has come to put spices upon the body of Jesus to preserve his body from her perspective, to preserve his form just a little while longer. But little does she know that his body needs no preserving because he has now a glorified body our Lord is risen from the dead hallelujah so she looks inside the tomb sees two men there sees two angels is not distracted is not distracted but is still crying weeping because she cannot find the one that the one that she loves the one who she's come to minister to look at verse number 14 it says and when she had thus said she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus he has a new body now, verse 15, Jesus said unto her, uh, said uh, unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She's supposing him to be the gardener, the gardener. Well, we know that's a very prophetic picture because the father, God, is the husbandman. Hallelujah. He's the one that plants everything, that planted all the universe. Hallelujah. She sees him as a, as a gardener, saith unto her, sir, if thou have borne him, rather than starting in, sir, if thou have borne him hence, 
Tell me where thou hast laid him. If you've taken him away, tell me where you have laid him. I will take him away. Notice that. I'm not sure her, of her physique. She may be a, a small, petite woman, but it doesn't matter. She's saying, I will carry the Lord's dead body. Wherever you have taken him, I will take care of him. I've come to minister to the body of Christ. Hallelujah. I've come to minister to him. And then Jesus finally gets her attention and says, uh, verse 16, Jesus said unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master, Jesus saith unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended uh, to my father. The word touch there means to cling. Don't cling to me yet. Uh, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I have, rather, I ascend unto my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that uh, he had spoken these things unto her. Now, one thing we have to notice about her is that her last name is Magdalene. The name Magdalene means tower. So now the Lord has a tower that will broadcast the rebellion. And what does she do? What does this Magdalene do? This tower does. What does she do? She goes and proclaims the news. She proclaims her witness that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. While the disciples disciples were fearing for their lives. She was there found at the tomb. While they were behind locked doors, she was carrying spices, trying to find the body of Jesus. She was faithful. She was fearless. She was a part of the rebellion. Are you hearing? So let's look at this one final Mary. I need you to see this one because this one really hits us exactly where we are today. Turn to neighbor and tell him, get ready for this. Because here this comes. Let's go. Uh, stay in the book of uh, John. Let's go to John 12. John 12. John 12, and we're going to skip over to Mark. John 12 tells us, John 12, verse number three, tells us who this Mary is. We see here, let's go back to verse number one. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, came to Bethany where Lazarus uh, was, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There he made, there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at meat, that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of, of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Now go to Mark 14, chapter Mark 14, and we're going to be ending here. You can tell your neighbor you almost made it. I'm saying we went to John so I can show you that this was Mary, the sister of Martha, the sister of Lazarus. And Mary was from Bethany. The word Bethany, so this rebellion, this Mary, this rebellion was from Bethany. And Bethany means house of misery. House of dates, and it also means house of misery. Misery. And you'll notice sometimes if you've had a miserable life, 
And some of you know about having a miserable life. Those days that you just say, I just want to crawl up in a ball and just die. I don't want to see anybody, don't want to talk to anybody, just leave me alone. A horrible, miserable life. Mary is from Bethany. She's from the house of misery, from the house of pain. But she is the one that has the most profound worship. Let's look at this. Look at this, Mark 13, look at verse number three. And it says, and being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, we get more information. As he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, a spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that sat, rather than, there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? It might have been sold for more than 300 pence. That's the equivalent, uh, most scholars say, of about twenty dollars to $30,000. Why was they said, for it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. She has an extravagant gift, an extravagant offering. She knows what Jesus has done for her, and she is willing. She is willing to give all that she has to him. But notice the people that criticized her, they were not the ungodly, not the Romans. These were people that were in the house. These were people that were part of the 12, those who rubbed Jesus shoulder to shoulder. These are the ones, especially Judas was the one that said, this was a waste. This is too much. Why are you giving Jesus all of that? But here's another characteristic of those that are part of the rebellion. They love him extravagant, extravagantly in their worship, in their giving, in their life, an extravagant, an extravagant lifestyle. They lavish Jesus with their love. Their heart is to love him with all that they have. Their heart is to be faithful to him, even until the last moment to minister to his body. Their heart is to say, Lord, here am I. Whatever you have for me, whatever plans you have for me, let it come to pass. There are people, this Mary is living her life. Why? open for the Lord and not just a casual churchgoer because casual churchgoers will be offended at you. Why was this done? You're praising too loud. Oh, another worship song? Come on, we did that. Why are we doing that? That's too much. Pastor John, you're reading too much scripture. Just give me the highlights. Give me the cliff notes. I'm telling you, the religious are going to be offended, but Jesus defended her. Jesus said, let's look at this. Jesus said, let her alone in verse number six. Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She have wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. She have done what she uh, could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. 
Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she have done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Jesus defended her. She was lavishing her worship. And let me ask you this as we close out. When was the last time your worship moved you? Not even talking about your neighbor. When was the last time your worship moved you? When was the last time your giving, your giving in time, not your tithe, but your offering, when was the last time you said, oh, mm, maybe I shouldn't do that? Or maybe you become comfortable in your giving, comfortable in your service to the Lord, comfortable in your prayer time. Well, Lord, you know, I, I got to get to work. And then you, you know, I would wake up early, but you know, I got to work. I'll get you, Lord, uh, throughout the day. You get to work and then you're so busy. I'll get you at lunch, but then lunchtime rolls around. You just sort of whoop down some food really quickly. I'll get you, Lord, when I get home. By the time you get home, you're so tired. All you want to do is uh, get a little bit to eat, watch a little TV. And then, Lord, I'm so tired. I'll get it tomorrow. Then you get up the next day and now you're rushing, now you're rushing, trying to get to work. You woke up pretty late and then you say, well, I'll get you, Lord, throughout the day. But then you got so busy at work, so busy, so busy, and the cycle continues. Go to work, come home, watch the TV, go to bed, go to work, come home, watch the TV, go to bed, and then your father says, I love you. When are you going to spend time with me? I would, God, but you know, I don't have time. But those that are a part of the rebellion not only make Jesus a priority in their lives, Jesus is their life. He is their life. When was the last time someone accused you of, you can go crazy reading your Bible so much? You pray too much. You're too extravagant in your giving. You're giving too much. These are the ones that will carry the power and presence of God Mary, miracles arrive rapidly when yielded. When we yield to him and give all to him, you're going to see the, the, the pouring out, the outpouring of his spirit without measure. When we stop putting our toe in and say, maybe, I don't know, I'll do it, I don't know. I don't really have time. I, I, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I've asked people, how do you know that you're saved? I say, well, my, pre my, my granddaddy was a preacher. My daddy was a preacher. Doesn't that qualify me? I go to church. Doesn't that qualify me? Doesn't, doesn't that qualify me? I read my Bible sometimes. Doesn't that qualify me? Doesn't that qualify me? No, it's through an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, let me give you this last point. If you say, well, gosh, before I leave here today, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to do my best to do it. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to make myself a note and I'm going to do you first, Lord. I'm telling you, I'm going to put you first in my life. Let me tell you, if that's your intention, you're going to manhandle yourself. You're going to use willpower to get it done. All you're going to do is end up falling on your face. You'll go for a little while because all of us can do good for a little while. But God is not calling you to do good. He's calling you to be good. And to do that, that means you're going to have to start with saying, God, I'm weak. And I need your strength 
to do your word. I come before you asking, asking you for your grace, for your strength is made perfect in my weakness. I can't do this without you, but I desire to do it. I desire to be one with you. I desire to touch your face. I desire to embrace you. I desire to know you. I want to know you. It's impossible for you to live in the sun or to stay out in the sun without being changed. It's impossible, speaking of the S-U-N, it's impossible for you to stay out there all day in it without being changed, without having some physical effects. Your skin gets darker, you start to perspire, your heart is causing physical changes in you. And by the same token, it's impossible for you to stay in the light of the sun, the S-O-N, without your whole life changing, without you being transformed. You see, you won't have to worry about pornography addictions. You won't have to worry about gossiping and, and all this other stuff. All you've got to do is stay in the sunlight. Just stay before him. Stay in the sunlight. Because the more you stay in the sunlight, in the sun's light, the more your life will change, the more you sound like Jesus, you'll, you'll look like him, you'll, you'll talk like him, the more you stay in his presence. And that is my desire for you today, that you'll have a heart to want to be with Jesus, a heart to be like Jesus, a heart to, heart of that like Mary, that you will say, Father, behold your servants. Whatever you have said about me, cause it to happen within me. I know they're going to talk about me. I know they're going to criticize me. I know they're going to try to scandalize my name. But if they've done it to the greatest, they're going to do it to me. Jesus did everything right. You know that, right? He did everything right. Right, the perfect pastor, the perfect apostle, the perfect prophet, the perfect teacher, the perfect son. He did everything right, the perfect friend, everything right, and they still hung him on the cross. So please get it out of your head that if I just do everything right, everything's gonna be well. No, you will still have haters. But don't let your haters define you. Let them be fuel that causes you to go even higher. Because as we said at the beginning, there is greatness in you. There's a seed that God has planted in you. There's a word. Mary carried a word. Remember, Jesus is the word of God that was made flesh. Mary carried a word. You carry a word. And this word, God, he handpicked you. He's anointed you, and you say, but you say, well, Gabriel didn't talk to me. Well, he's sending Mark to talk to you now and tell you. I got wings, you just can't see them. They may look like chicken feathers, but I got them. And I'm here to tell you, you are blessed and highly favored of the Lord. You found favor in the sight of God, and he's called you to birth a word. How is it gonna happen, you ask? Well, the Holy Ghost is gonna overshadow you. The power of the, of the highest is gonna come upon you. 
maybe in a dream, maybe in a worship service, maybe at home, maybe when you're driving down the road, but somewhere God's going to communicate to you, this is my purpose for your life. This is what I want you to do. This is why you are still alive. This is why you are not aborted. This is your season. This is your destiny. This is your word. And then you must respond. You say, Lord, it may cost me my relationship. It may cost me my job. It may cost me my standing in the community. But it doesn't matter. As long as your will is done. Their rebellion. Will you join the rebellion? Will you give all that you are to all of him because he has given all that he is to you? He loves you with a passionate love. He loves you with a passionate love. He desires you to be in his presence. He wants to be with you. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray, and as is the order of the house, if you want to come to the altar and pray, you can. I'm going to pray here at the, at the altar, and then I'm going to turn the mic over to those who get the mic after I'm done. <laughs> Praise Jesus. If you want to come to the altar and pray, you can. If you want to stay at your seat and pray, you can. But the Father's giving you a divine opportunity at this moment to join the rebellion. And what does that look like? When you walk into the place, the glory of God comes. When someone is sick, you lay hands upon them and they recover. When someone is sad, you give them a word. Let him know God loves you. And there's something about when someone that is sincere and they love God, and then there's something about someone that is a fake and a phony and a, and a hypocrite. They can say somewhat of the same words, but one repulses you and another draws you in. I want to be real. Someone's going to say, Lord, if you can't find anybody else on this planet, then here I am. If you can't find anybody else in West Georgia, then here I am. If you can't find another church, then here we are. We dedicate our lives to you completely. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.